you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. We've been looking at some models that Paul has given to his son in the ministry, Timothy, about how to encourage him because Timothy was battling with uh, basically fear and a lack of courage. And, and would he continue to run the race? Would he continue to be in the fight? Would he continue to plant for the harvest? Would he, would he be faithful to the end or would he struggle and, and, and fall away? And Paul is trying to encourage him uh, because he wants him to keep running the race to win. And that's what I want to talk about today because he uses the illustration of an athlete. Uh, if you look in your notes, I put Paul encourages Timothy to live out his faith with a character of an athlete. Athletes are characterized by discipline. And discipline is the difference in being a participant or merely being a spectator. So that's where we find ourselves. And as we look at this, Paul is saying, run the race to win. If you see together, beginning in verse 5, also, he's talked about the soldier. And I said, also, another picture I want to put in your mind. If anyone competes as an athlete, I like that word compete. If anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. He has a picture of a guy that's running to win and says, Tim, I want you to run, but understand you got to run according to the rules, requirements. And so let me tell you about competition. I don't want to play if I can't win. I, I, really, I, want, I, don't, want, I don't understand people say, I'm just glad to be here. That's wonderful. I don't understand that. Uh, I want to know, why are you really here? I'm here because I want to win. When I step on the tennis court, I want to win. I have fun playing. I enjoy playing. But I have a lot more fun when I win. When I play golf, I, I want to win. And, and uh, when I played softball and when I played basketball, wanted to win because we, we wanted to... Uh, that's, that's part of the competition that we get to the finish line, that we finish well, that we finish first if can. Now, so he says, I want you to get that spirit of a competitor that says, I'm going to win my race. I don't want to be sidetracked. I don't want to be sidelined. I don't want to finish a distant second or a close second. I want to win. How do we do that in the spiritual life, in our spiritual race? How do we transfer this spirit that what are we supposed to look like as we run the race? And how do we manage to keep the rules as we run the race spiritually? Well, if discipline is the difference between being a participant, participant and a spectator, then discipline is evident in two ways. The first is this. First, in our compliance with God's requirements to walk in humility, love completely, serve faithfully, and give cheerfully. That's what discipline looks like. This is what he requires. Because all of this, when you put it together, brings about a sense of holiness to our life. Unlike the people of the world and unlike the things of the world, we are now looking like Christ. And you say, how is that the way? Because he says the requirements is to walk in humility. You say, why do you say that? Well, uh, in, in Philippians chapter 2, 
Paul tells us that we're to have this mind which is in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, coming as a servant. So I look at this and realize that if Christ would walk in humility, which he did, then we should walk in humility. If I'm going to run the race, it has to be with humility. I have to realize it's not about me. It is about him. And I've got to realize that I can't do anything apart from him because he is the vine and I'm the branch, and I've got to have him for what I need to do what I'm supposed to do. And I, and, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do it apart from him. So if I'm going to run the spiritual race to win, I've got to run Understanding with humility that I need Christ. I must depend on Christ. I've got to have Christ. As, as uh, Kevin said, I've got to hunger and thirst after him because in him I have the strength I need when I'm weak. I have the wisdom I need when I don't know the answers. I have everything I need I find in Christ, and therefore I walk humbly not thinking that I'm the big deal because I am not, nor are you. He is the big deal. Here's what makes it work. So we walk in humility, and then we love completely. To love completely means we simply realize that I can love with an open hand and open heart. Just as Christ loved me, I love others. And I love with that amazing love to reach out and touch someone at their point of need. And as I run the race to win, I must be able to run loving completely. Realizing that I can love that person unconditionally. And I can, I can, I can love my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and body. Is what Jesus said. They said, what is the great commandment? To love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. To love completely. Wholeheartedly in love with Christ. Totally committed to our run for Christ. And then I'll love my neighbor as myself. That's what it means to love completely. As I love God the way I should, I will love people around me as I can, and that's because it reflects how I love me because Christ loves me. And it completes the circle to love completely, to serve faithfully, to serve faithfully. You see, if I, if I walk in humility, I, I line up with Christ and His attitude. If I love completely, I open up my heart and my mind, but when I serve faithfully, I show up. Simply, you just got to show up. We live in times, and I realize that times are very discouraging. I've been talking with pastors from various parts of our state and various parts of our county, and we're all seeing the same thing, and it's, and it's really a burden on our hearts because we notice in times past, if you look at the history uh, of events in our country, when things got hard, when, when the economy got hard and, and, and things were, were not... Uh, as good as people would hope for, people always turn to church. And the, 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 the auditoriums would be packed with people because there was a sense of crisis in the land and they were coming to Christ. What we've noticed today is people are running from the church. Well, they ain't running to the church. They're running from it. Strange, we've never seen that before. And even those who are followers of Christ find themselves being discouraged to a point or disheartened in such a way that they find themselves not showing up when they should. And if we're going to really run the race to win, we must show up faithfully. What does that mean? What do we show up at? Well, first of all, I think you've got to show up daily with God. You've got to have that walk with the Lord that you're showing up daily to meet with Him, to communicate with Him, to... Uh, share your heart with him through prayer, to let him share his mind with you through his word, and you find that you begin to show up faithfully for that. You must do that to have strength for the day. 
I've played uh, organized sports pretty much all my life. I've played baseball and basketball. And you know what? To play in the game on Friday night and basketball on Saturday night, you had to show up for practice during the week. It's just that simple. If you didn't show up, you wasn't going to play. You had to show up. And so I, I look around. If we're not showing up during the week in our walk with God, we're not getting all we can when we show up on Sunday morning. And I want to say the tragedy for many is a lot of people aren't showing up on Sunday morning. To show up, to serve faithfully means I'm going to show up because it's important. It's what I do. I have come to realize we live in a culture that we will miss church for anything that we think is important. And we'll miss nothing for church. That's pretty amazing. Consider what church represents. I know it's not because we come together to worship on Sunday morning. We're to come to the body of Christ to be renewed, to encourage, to strengthen, to help, support, encourage one another. And we do that to come in together and we worship. And yet in a time of crisis when worship is so essential to getting the strength for the day and the week, we're not serving faithfully. When you have a position to serve, you serve it faithfully. You show up. Or you won't, you won't run to win. You will actually be disqualified. And we'll talk about that in a minute. You give cheerfully. You give cheerfully. You give because God has been so good to you. Even in hard times, He's good to you. And so you give cheerfully. You give of your time and you give of your resources because you, you really want to do that. Uh, you, you, you decide that... You give this. Now, you, you give because this is when I, 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 I line up with Christ in attitude. I open up my heart completely in love. I show up faithfully to serve, and I give up those things that are dear to me, which is my time and my money. And you give them up. That's the discipline. You say, Lord, this part you've said belongs to you, and I will return it to you with a cheerful heart, not because, a, man, somebody's beating me up about it or somebody's fussing at me about it. No, I'm giving up cheerfully. Give them a time cheerfully. Not because people talk about me if I don't, but because I want you to applaud me when I do. I, I, I'm giving up my, my treasure just because I, I know you do something with it miraculous every time I let go of my resources financially. You do something incredible. So I want to give you all that you can use to do something incredible. As sure as it takes the loaves and fishes of a kid's lunch to feed 5,000, he takes what we give with a cheerful heart and multiplies it amazingly. You know, I, I go back to this, the, the kid who had the, uh, the five loaves of two fishes. You know what? Nobody twisted his arm to get the lunch from him. He offered it. He said, I got this. I know everybody's hungry. Here's what I got. And God did something absolutely miraculous with it. We don't see the miraculous because we sometimes are not giving cheerfully. Just, just, just tell you how the rules are. Now let's talk about the rules. We say we play by the rules because basically this is what we know. We play by the rules because they're what keep us on track. Everything has rules. If you're going to compete as an athlete. There's rules in tennis. You cannot hit your opponent with a tennis racket. That's against the rules. 
You cannot do that. You cannot do that. And in, in basketball, you cannot tackle a guy if he's running down the court for a layup. That's against the rules. It's a personal foul. In golf ball, you cannot improve your lie. If you do, it's a penalty stroke. In golf, if you do not sign your scorecard, you can get disqualified even though you've played all four rounds in, 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 a, in a tournament. Because it's a rule. Do you realize there's people that have not signed a scorecard that actually won tournaments and, and, had, and were disqualified? Because they broke the rule. This is what Paul said to Tiffany, uh, to Timothy. He said, look, I want you to get this. There's rules you got to follow if you're going to win. You show up not just to say, I don't want, it's not enough to be in the race. I'm in the race to win. I want to cross the finish line. I want to cross the finish line first. So what do I need to do? He said, here's what you've got to do. You've got to go by the rules. I've just told you that basically to have the attitude of humility, to have the love completely, to serve faithfully, to give cheerfully, is a part of what brings together a life of holiness before God that says, I am loving you supremely with all that I am, with all that I have, and I will live for you completely, faithfully. And so we look at this and we go, okay, this is what we look like. We run the race to win, not just to show up. Disqualification does not mean you lose your salvation. He says you don't get the crown if you don't run by the rules. You're still the runner, but you don't get the crown because you cheated or you violated rules, and therefore you don't get the crown. We have rules in the Olympics that says you cannot take steroids and compete in the Olympics. If you do and it discovers you have been, you are disqualified. No matter how good you did in, in the race or the event, you will be disqualified. Still an athlete, but you don't get the prize. You don't get the reward. Many Christians will run the Christian life, and many will break the rules. And there'll come a time, there'll be an accounting, and you won't get the reward. There was a woman in 1980 who ran the Boston Marathon. She was running, and she took off running incredibly strong at the beginning. In a marathon, you don't really, you pace yourself. You don't run strong. She took off just running. She got way ahead of everybody, almost to the point, you know, she's out of sight quickly. And, and, and for a minute, nobody knew what happened to her. She was just gone. And then she shows up again, and she's running the race. She finishes way above everybody else. She broke all the records. And everybody's going, who is this person? She just didn't look that athletic, but boy, it's amazing what she did. She declared the winner, and then they begin to look back and discover as different checkpoints, they realized she never passed certain checkpoints. And then it was discovered that what had happened, she got on the subway and gone down and got, then jumped back into the race. She was disqualified. How many times do we think, I think I'll take the subway and get ahead of everybody in our Christian life? And we think nobody knows that? Oh, God knows that. He knows when we cut the corners. He knows when we cheat on the path. He knows. And so he's saying, I want you to get this. Paul said, look, the rules are important because that's how you're going to be judged. You're rewarded. You're not judged for salvation, but you're judged for your rewards. 
Guys, are we just running the race to show up? Are we running the race to really win? Honestly? I know we're living in a time where it seems like all we can almost do is show up, but I, I don't believe that's what God would have us to be or do, just showing up. I think he wants us to run to win. I want to go to the second thing. Well, no, I want you to look at, the, I want you to look at these pictures. Pull those pictures up for me. Uh, as I look at this, I want to talk about a race we did win, pretty solidly, actually. Um, you see this fall clothing giveaway, October the 8th? That was yesterday, okay, from 10 to 12. Now, guys, we have people that started showing up here amazingly early just to sit and wait. And look, I want you to look at this, okay? Now, that is the right side of the CLC. That's the women's side, okay? Women were on that side, all that. So you can see there's like, uh, see, about 10, 12. There's about 22 tables we've got total. And all the tables are, you see them? Okay, go, keep going. There we go. There's, most of the tables were piled that high. You see all that? That's a lot of clothes. Y'all did great. Y'all gave cheerfully. Look at this. And keep going there, okay? Look at that. That's the, that was the stuff in the back and the stage area. And that was all we had. Look at that. That's uh, uh, for, for girls ages 6 through 12. Look at all those clothes. Uh, and, uh, okay, now, uh, okay, keep going. Should be one more. Huh? Last one. Okay, you see those bags? That's all that was left. Yeah. That's it. The two, four, seven bags. Okay. You know how many people came through the doors yesterday? 549 people walked through those doors yesterday. Oh, yeah. Amen. Awesome. 549 people. 274 adults and 275 children. They would ask, how much is it you charge? We're not charging. It's free. You just get, you get to get four bags. Go get you. We give out plastic bags. They get four bags. You guys were awesome. You gave and you took care of 549 people. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, you sit there. I watched them as they came in, and they were so orderly and gracious, and, 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 and man, it was incredible to watch. They'd waited so long. They finally get to come in, and they're just enjoying looking through things, and everything is done so wonderfully. Such an amazing attitude. Such a spirit of gratitude. And then we had the, some, the ladies have made, and some of the people have made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They said, how much are those? Oh, those are free. Just we'll give them out to you. We ran a good race yesterday. Oh, we really did. We, we won. We, we, we won the hearts of a lot of people yesterday for the kingdom of God. We, we planted seeds that we'll see come up in the days ahead. And, and hopefully life will be a, a better. Matter of fact, people say, I don't know how I was going to make it. I think I've lost my job. and I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And the truth is, actually those seven bags became five bags because someone showed up just a little after 12 while we were loading up and they went through and got more stuff. When you run to win, God can do amazing things. I want you to know, you, you have been good. You've given, you, you give in amazing ways. I know it's a time that can be very discouraging as we look at the economy. As we look at things that have always been indicators of success, those are not there. 
But we can look at what God is doing in our hearts and in our minds and realize that he is still at work bringing us to the finish line. We never forget that. So I want to go to the second discipline. How do we, we realize that, that, that discipline is evident in two ways. The first is in compliance with God's requirements, as I just shared. But also the second is in our commitment to the race, regardless of the crowd's compliments or criticism, recognizing we run for the applause of God. This is how you win the race. If you're caught up in listening to the compliments or the criticisms of people around you, you're never going to get anywhere. You need to know that. Uh, It's nice when people compliment you, but don't let it go to your head because you're nothing without Christ. Plain and simple. I mean, they may say, you're great, you're awesome. Hey, and you take the compliment. You say, thank you, I appreciate it, but you better go, Lord, thank you, because, man, it's you that did that. You're, You're the one that made it happen. You're the one that spoke through me, used me, let me, you love through me, God. You, you know, hey, you understand, I couldn't love anybody without Christ. You understand, I just couldn't do that. If I didn't have Christ, I couldn't love people. I, I really, I know that. But Christ loving me gives me the capacity to love all kinds of people. We live for the master. We run for him, and that process we should get compliments. Just don't let them go to your head because we'll mess you up. You don't believe it? Watch when athletes think they become real superstars. Watch what happens to their character and their conduct and eventually <laughs> their ability. We can't afford that. Don't let compliments go to your head. Secondly, don't let criticism discourage your heart. You're never going to please everybody. Quit trying. You're never going to make everybody happy. It's not your job to make anybody happy, incidentally. That's God's job. The only fulfillment that really brings total and, and, and real happiness comes from Christ. You know, he may use us to, to help people get there, but that comes from Christ. And so don't let criticism steal your heart because it will come and it will hurt. I'm amazed, you know, a lot of times I will talk to people in there, they don't go to church and this church or that church because they've got their feelings hurt. That's no, that's no excuse to not show up for the race. Just telling you. You show up for the race because it's God's race he's given you to run. And Paul would finish out his days saying to Timothy, I want you to run the race, finish well. Now, let me tell you what Paul's finish line was. You know what Paul's finish line was his race? He was going to have his head cut off by an executioner. That was his finish line. And he's telling Timothy, come on, run with me. Get to the finish line. And Timothy's going, but you're going to die, man. Why do I want to do that? Because it's the race God's designed for me, Timothy. Come on, run. I'm going to finish well. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I've fought the fight. Man, it is, it's all good. why we run to win. That's why we run to win. Not for the applause of men, because that's very fickle, quite honestly. But for the applause of God. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. I have a a man I was blessed to know early on in my ministry and in my life. 
when I was working the business world, I met this man. He came into the store to get some things, and and I began to realize he was a he was a pastor and missionary, and been a president of a seminary of another denomination. I got to know him and loved talking with him. He was in his seventies when I met him. He was a neat guy, very humble in spirit. Uh, drove the ugliest car. I don't know what kind of car it was, but it sure was the ugliest car I'd ever seen. It was gunmetal gray, and he just, he was, but he was a neat guy. He rented a house, and there was, you know, at 70, you would think, well, he didn't have much to show for in his life. Oh, but what he had with the Lord was incredible because the man radiated Christ. And so we'd come in the store and we'd talk, and one day another buddy of mine, were, we were, he was in there, we were, we're in the, we were in the ministry, and, 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 uh, uh, he came in and just prayed with us in the middle of the store. He said, come on, let's pray, guys. Let's just pray. He had written a book. He said, I'm excited. I'm writing this book that God's taught me in the 70 years of my life. This man had, had wrote a book called Destined for the Throne. And you, if you've never read it, you ought to read it. It's worth your reading. Destined for the Throne. He has written this book, and I'm going to have my denomination. I've gone back to my uh, uh, seminary in Atlanta and invited their guys, their doctoral students, to come and analyze my book and critique my book. And uh, he said, uh, Billy Graham's wrote the forward to it. And I said, well, that's pretty good. And he said, so he was excited about it. And I, was, I said, here's a man who's in his 70s. He's invited guys who are anywhere from 24 to 28 to critique his book. Now, he was a very conservative man in his theology. He was going to bear his soul and his book to a group of men who were probably pretty much liberal in their theology. But he would do that. And, and so uh, they're, they're doing it, and, and uh, I said, how did it go? He said, well, it's kind of rough. They kind of bashed the book pretty hard. He said, they found a lot of things that, you know, they, you know, they didn't see things the way that I that I that God had showed them to me, and he said it was kind of hard, but you know that's okay. I'm gonna publish the book anyway. I said, "Well, you are, man. Okay." The criticism didn't stop him, and so he wrote this book, "Destined for the Throne." And by the time it was in his second printing, he was now offered to come to California and be on a TV program and teach every day the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, he talked about what it, what it really meant to be like to walk through this life in the good days, the bad days, the pain and the sorrow and the joy. It was all a part of preparing us for eternity. He knew about that because he had lost his son as a child on the mission field where he served. He had lost a daughter to cancer in her 20s here, and he had much heartache in his life. But in, in his 70s, looking back, he said, here's what God has done in my life from point A to point B. And when I cross the finish line, I will be right where he wants me to be. Tremendous, tremendous man of God, Paul Billheimer. And you know what? That wasn't the last book he wrote. He wrote Love Covers, Spiritual Warfare 2, Spiritual Warfare 1. He was an amazing man. He ran the race to win. Close with this. We run to win. What does that really mean? I had another pastor friend of mine who had a 
special child who competed in the Special Olympics. He was a, maybe a, he had Down syndrome. He was a neat little kid, very strong. And so my, my buddy would spend time trying to help him get ready for this event because he wanted him to have a good day. He wanted him to have fun. He wanted him to have a sense of achievement. But he also was trying to instill him that you, you get out there and do your best and you, and you can win. But, you know, winning everything, winning everything, but winning is good. So give it your best and just see what happens. And so he had worked with him for several days and trying to get him where he was comfortable and aware of what he needed to do and understanding all that. And this was a kind of a big deal uh, down in Atlanta. So, so they, they uh, come the day for Special Olympics, and they're all competing. And, and uh, this kid had, had, had racked up some medals. Man, he'd done really well. So they call his name, and his dad kind of pushes him out. So they call you, they call you. He goes up there, and he's standing, you know. And, and, and they put these medal and another medal and another medal around his neck. And he's got these medals around his neck, and, and they're calling his name, and he's done this, you know. And then he does something pretty amazing in the simplicity of his mind. And that's why God likes childlike faith. He takes off and runs to his father, hugs him. Dad, of course, hugs him. And he takes off the medals and puts them over his dad's head down on his neck and says, Dad, these are for you. These are for you. Do you understand? That's why we run the race to win. Not for us. One day, when he says, here's, here's your rewards, he said, man, these are for you. These are for you. I endured the hardships of a soldier. I ran the race to win. I played by the rules when I didn't want to, when people said I didn't have to, but I did it. what Paul is trying to tell his young son in the ministry. And that's what God's trying to tell you and me today. 